I detect we should be beyond these ruins within approximately 44 minutes. The entrance to the sewer should not be far from the road beyond there. Thanks for the update. Damn, I didn't think it would be so hard to wander around in armor. Really helps you to appreciate how strong characters in RPGs must be. Oh, thank goodness he was able to find anything at all. We're lucky there was equipment left behind. I just wish I could get this helmet to stay on. Well, you do have a big head. No, Luca has a small head. I have a normal-sized head. Holy shit, okay. You learn a lot about someone's neuroses when you're trapped in another dimension. Who would have thought that head size would have been one of them? Me? Neuroses? Ooh. Listen here, you little shit. I have half a mind to kick- Friends, this next area is very dangerous, and discretion is required. Miss Luca had a saying for circumstances like these. Accessing records. Stealth is optional for this mission. I think you meant that stealth is not optional. There is a 100% chance that was an internet meme. Did Luca punch a hole into our world to access the internet? Mm, I'm having a really hard time coming up with a better explanation. Maybe instead of searching for Balthazar, we should be searching for Luca. <laughs> Auxiliary scanners detect an enemy is approaching. Additional stealth is advised. What is it? I can't see it. Conducting area-wide scan. Fantastic. And we'll definitely be able to avoid it. Scanning. 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 Area-wide scan complete. I have identified it as a... Shadow. My memory bags indicate that it is not vulnerable to... Physical attacks. I am sorry... Really could have used Specchio's help right about now. Mm. Uh, Robo, is any equipment here magical? Negative. Uh, what about this? Negative. That is the hero metal. It is only of use with Sir Frog's Massa Mune. Heck yeah, I bet that could really help us out. Like, right now? No, but like, in general. Massimune was originally the ruby knife, and that was able to stop the mammon machine. Maybe it has some other time or dimensional related properties? I think I have it at... Ah, here it is. The Massimune. The relic that ended an era. Gaspar wrote, The Massimune. What a perfect blade it was. Made of that that ancient red rock and dreams. Melchior toiled long to forge something capable of defeating the false hope provided by the mammon machine. And thank goodness that punk-haired kid and his friends were able to make use of it. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Zeal Archives, covering the A to Z of the world of Chrono Trigger. Today, as we dig into the archives, we're talking about a famous big-ass sword. The Ironlancer? No, another sword. Excalibur? No, try again. Lightbringer. Lightbringer? The FF6 translation. Oh, no, not that, no. Oathkeeper? Wait, Game of Thrones? The big Goron sword. No, 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 the Master Sword. (laughs) (laughs) No, today we're talking about the Massimune, or Massimune. 
or or by extension, Massa and Moon. <laughs> With me, as always, is my good friend Nick G. Hey. And to get things started, let's talk a little bit about the Mass Immune, because I, I think it has a little bit of an interesting history as far as the lore of Chrono Trigger goes, and also Chrono Cross, but again, that's not our podcast, not yet at least. Only time will tell. Ugh. This is why this is why you're my co-host, G. Say the things you don't have the courage to say. That's 100% true. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about the Mass Immune, and we, I think, alluded to this on another episode when we were talking about Melchior, is that in the Keystone timeline, the sword is forged around 12,000 BC. He forges it out of Dreamstone, which is a magical mineral, uh, and he also forges it out of living things? Question mark? Huh. He forges it out of Massa and Mune, which are two quote dreams of Melchior. Okay, oh, yeah, they are. They are. They do appear in twelve thousand, right? They appear in Zeal. They do, along with their sister Doreen, who is not right. part of the sword. I think she got lucky, if I'm honest. It's just like a little tiny sword, and that contains Doreen. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Doreen dagger. It's just like one of those bendy rubber. It's it's like a play knife, but like that itself is is kind of weird. Uh, also, it's called the Grand Leon and in the Japanese version, and subsequently their names are Grand and Leon. Um, I forgot that there, there was a completely different name in the Japanese version. Smasamune sounds Japanese. It also kind of ties to like a, f- a famous Japanese swordsmith, whereas Grand Leon ties to, I don't know. And I, and I think from what little I remember from Chrono Cross, calling it the Masamune or Masamune, I'm going to say Masamune every time, and please, internet, if you want to correct me, go ahead. You can... At Zeal Archives on Twitter or Facebook. Correct away. This is the way I've pronounced it my entire life. I could be wrong, but it's it's so embedded deep in my brain. But in, in a Chrono Cross, I think the evil sword is the Mass Immune. That's right. The Einlander is like the holy sword. And that makes sense because supposedly like the Mass Immune, like the creator built a sword that was like, it, it was a bloodthirsty blade. And so whoever picks it up has to kill with the blade, I think. Classic. Classic uh, evil, evil ghost sword kind of situation. Sometime after this, I don't know, like like more than 12,000 years later, the sword just shows up in approximately 590 AD, discovered by Cyrus and Glenn in the Denodoro Mountains, and it's almost immediately broken into two pieces by Magus. Wow. That's a flex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you imagine you're trapped in a sword and you're like, oh, I wonder if we're ever going to be free. I wonder what life is going to be like. I wonder when someone will be worthy of wielding us. And then finally someone finds you. And then just beats the crap out of you. Incredible. Oh, man. I'm so curious about, like, what happened to the sword in that time. Because that was a long time. Yeah. We don't have any time periods in the game and between 12,000 and 600. And presumably it was an ice age. So a lot of that was nothing. But yeah, where did it end up? How did it get stuck in the Denodoro Mountains? What evils have been defeated? in that time that we don't know about. I mean, this is less of a Legend of Zelda thing where you know that even between the games, there were other iterations of Link and Zelda, etc. But I don't know what what adventures this sword had. Maybe it didn't. Think of the evils it could have defeated. (sighs) It's just sitting there. We know that in approximately 600 AD, Chrono and crew show up and prove their worthiness. We don't see how Cyrus showed his worthiness, but presumably he was not worthy. Because it's still there. (laughs) Yeah, because it's still there. And Chrono and crew do the work necessary to get the sword reforged in hopes of defeating Magus, who they believe at that time was the one who created Lavos. Oh, yeah. It's very interesting. The Massamoon are only protecting half of the sword. 
Oh, that's true. They're only protecting the hilt. Yeah, that's really weird. Frog is holding on to the tip of the blade. Yeah, it just, he's got it in a little pot in his house. Yeah, but doesn't he have the hilt because it says Melchior on it? But the hilt, the hilt is definitely what's behind Mass and Mune. Right, 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 right. Whether Frog has the blade, which is weird, or whether he has the hilt and the blade is sitting on the mountain, <laughs> something is messed up. Yeah. And then it becomes very curious what Massa and Moon's relationship to the sword is. Are they, like, attuned to the sword? Do they know where it is? Or do they just know that they're, like, associated with it and as such are protecting this? Oh, it's like kind of like in the parlance of, like, Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder. Is the Massa Moon an intelligent item? Or yeah. is it, like, an item that is watched over by these extra-temporal beings? Yeah. Unknown. <laughs> I suspect neither. <laughs> Probably neither. Later on in the game, if you go on Frog's side quest to repair Cyrus's grave, uh, Massa and Mune are encouraged by your great display of the power of will, and the sword gets a substantial upgrade into the Massa Mune too. Oh, yeah. It seems like a flex in that case, too. They're like, oh, I guess you're good enough. I guess we can put in a real effort now. We can actually make this sword way better. We just haven't. <laughs> you could have just asked us. We wouldn't have done it the first time. I used frogs so little at the in the end game. I forgot about the mass immune too. It's like a side quest that I do for completion's sake, and it, it is kind of a touching moment in in terms of story. But as like using frog as a character, like yeah, I can't either. He gets outclassed by so many other people. The mass immune by that point has like lost its like story purpose because it's like originally it's this legendary sword is the one that can like take down Magus, but by the time you get the Mass 2, there's nothing else like that. Like, it's not super effective against Lavos or anything. Which is interesting because after the party has disrupted the timeline, they get the Ruby Knife um, from Melchior in 12,000 BC after they rescue him from Mount Woe, and they throw it into the Mammon Machine, and it becomes the Mass Immune, but possibly without Massa and Mune in the <laughs> sword. It's like two Mass Immune... Time travel's complicated, okay? Oh yeah, that happens. What? The ruby knife became the mass immune in the original timeline, but then it didn't in the altered timeline. I don't know. But you're right. Like, theoretically, the mass immune should be this really interesting sword that has these powers that should echo through the rest of the game. And instead, it's only effective against Magus, I guess, possibly because Magus is from 12,000 BC and the sword is forged with Dreamstone and there's like some sort of resonance there because of zeal. Yeah, it's sort of like he's from there, so it so it like vibrates on his frequency kind of thing. It's the same. I've been playing a lot of Zelda. It's the same idea behind the ancient weapons working well against the Guardians, because it's, quote, from Ooh. their time. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess you don't fight. It doesn't work especially well on Zeal, though. That's like a missed opportunity there. They, they, that could have been expanded a little bit. It's still cool. Like, what it, what it does in the game is still cool, but they could have done even more of that. I think they wanted to, and, and they did a really good job at this, is that you can have whatever party you want. You're never really at a huge disadvantage. And if they made the Mass Immune a required item, then you'd have to have Frog for a large portion of the game. And you couldn't tell all the different sub-stories. Yeah, that's true. Or make it a thing that's Kronos is the other option. Chrono's so overloaded in terms of... He's got a ton of stuff. Yeah, his story isn't super interesting on its own, but like he's like the piece that ties everything together. Being a mass immune, let's talk about fighting it, him, her, them, as a boss. This is one of the first multi-stage bosses. I'm trying to think if there's another one that's come up before this point. <sighs> multi-stage bosses. 
Um, yeah, there's multi-part bosses. At this point, you've already encountered Dragon Tank and Guardian Bit and Zombor. But I think this is the first one where you beat the first part and then you have to face the second part. Yeah, and it's completely, it's two completely different instances because like you beat the two of them and then that fight ends and then there's dialogue and then they begin another fight. Beating the first stage is actually surprisingly easy. And while I was doing the research for this episode, learned some cool things that I didn't think about. Okay. So both of them are, I believe they have the same HP. There's nothing surprising there. And as maybe not on our first run, but on a subsequent run for the Race Against Time had picked out, you just need to pick on one of them. Yes. If you defeat one of them, you defeat both of them. That makes sense because they're a team. But a thing that I didn't know, there's actually, I have two fun facts about this. If you target Moon, uh, the one with the purple color on the left, you'll have an easier time. Both of them have a counterattack, but Massa, the character on the right, the one with the green color, has a counterattack that's twice as powerful. Heck. That's interesting because you'd assume they'd just be the same. Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't matter. <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't look at the stats, but I wonder if one has slightly higher attack and the other one has slightly higher defense. But that's enough to just like, okay, I'm just, just always hashtag go left. Yes, go left. And another fun fact and something that I would not have had any idea about because I never use any of these attacks. This is one of the bosses that's vulnerable to status effects. So if you use Marl's Provoke, which causes confusion, or Luca's Hypno Wave, uh, which puts enemies to sleep, it might actually work to avoid getting counterattacked. I don't think I've used status effects a single time ever in Chrono Trigger. I remember the first time we did the race against time, we were getting wrecked against the Mud Beasts. Or it might have been the second time, but uh, we were like reading strategy guides and, and it was saying, take Luca and use Hypnowave. And I was thinking to myself, why? Why don't we just beat them? <laughs> <laughs> why waste time with that, with that stuff? Exactly. After you beat Massa and Mune individually, there's a little bit of dialogue, like you said. And then you have to fight the big Kahuna, the, the big Massa Mune, who is not a giant floating sword, much to my disappointment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They fuse and... We've had no difficulty during the race, but I remember this being really hard the first time I did it. Do you? What was your experience like? Well, the, again, the first time I ever played Chrono Trigger was a new game plus. Oh, yeah. Sorry. This is a really good one for Lightning, too. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. So, my my very first reaction was, oh, it's a color swap of Specchio. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> Specchio had looked like that. Yeah, at level 99. Or not, is it 99? 99 is the new, but below that, yeah. The super powerful, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the thing that strikes me most about this, it's just like, I, I quote, like, pretty difficult boss, pretty tanky. But um, the, the idea of, like, nullifying an attack is, like, introduced in this. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't get used that much either. No, which made me think that Slash was some kind of dispel or something. I don't quite understand what it is in a, in a magical sense, but I know that... That's what you do to nullify the tornado energy. And this is, I forget if there's a tip, if you're like tipped off to this earlier in the game, because like Mass Immune has a huge amount of HP, has 3,600 HP, which I believe is a lot more than most of the bosses you faced. If you attack, you'll notice that regular attacks don't deal a lot of damage, uh, has high defense. This is like the perfect time to use your fire sword, ice sword, ice tackle, robo tackle, etc. Actually, according to the notes that I have, there's no indication that you would know that Slash neutralizes the the storing tornado energy. Yeah, and I don't think I really use it in any other part of the game. 
because I don't think it's stronger than anything else. I think its benefit is it does a line-based attack, which maybe early yeah. on in the game you don't have a lot of. No, so you can hit multiple enemies if you if you line them up. It's also possible that this is a situation where maybe the Japanese name reveals something that isn't apparent in the translation. Because, like, Masamune says, storing tornado energy, and the move is called Wind Slash, right? Just called Slash, as far as I remember. Oh, maybe, maybe it's in the DS version they changed the name. That could be. But, like, in that sense, it makes sense. You have a Wind Slash to disrupt the tornado. But it's not obvious uh, playing through the first bunch of times. And I don't think anybody gives you any hints to that effect. If I had to guess now, like if I was playing for the first time now, I had to guess which which of Chrono's text do you think would neutralize the energy? I'd pick Cyclone. Ooh, yeah. Because maybe you spin in the opposite direction of the tornado energy and neutralize it. Now that you mentioned it, it's weird because lightning is both light, light, or is, is simultaneously light, lightning, and wind. Going with kind of a D&D thing where it's like weather. Isn't like, oh no, fire's not really weather. <laughs> like lightning and lightning attacks are, are weather. Hmm. Uh, we'll talk about magic another day. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of time to talk about magic. But another thing to keep in mind when you're fighting the big, big Massimune is after he says storing tornado energy and you use slash, which neutralizes the energy, don't attack until he says something else. Otherwise, uh, they'll counterattack. As you learned recently... With Hecarin, though with Hecarin, it literally says brief counterattack break when it's safe. I don't know how intentional the teaching element is, mm. but it feels pretty intentional when we put the game under a microscope. <laughs> it does. So all that out of the way with, with like the boss, the history, a bunch of different thoughts came to my mind. And one of them is, based on what we know about Melchior, we talked about it in a separate episode, Melchior had already created the swallow. It's It's sealed away in that that pyramid, the not the sun keep, but like Zeal's, I don't know, weapon armory. I forget the name of it. And in any case, he'd already created the swallow. So why did he bother with the mass immune? Well, he had one friend who only used katanas, and then he had, <laughs> he had another friend who only used broadswords. <laughs> he was working up his way to his friends that only used bows, arms, uh, <laughs> bazookas, scythes, bazookas. Yep. Wait, what? <laughs> oh no! Wait, he has a mega. Robo has a megaton arm. Yeah, that's kind of it's kind of like a, a rocket launcher. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the mass immune was his his great his piece de resistance, his magnum opus, because he was trying to put dreams in it, seeing what power dreams had. For as much as that makes sense, he also signed the thing, which I don't know if he signed the swallow. Yeah, that's true. We know that Dreamstone is important to Zeal. Like it's it's like a foundation of Zeal's power. It abs- Dreamstone absorbs magic. Mm-hmm. And we kind of are hinted at that Melchior wanted to stop the Mammon machine. And so you'd probably need something that absorbs Slavos's energy. But you're right. He he didn't sign the swallow. Mm-hmm. He, he locks it away. It's like nuts to this stuff. This is garbage now. <laughs> Time for the real stuff. Time for the real stuff. I'm going to build a broadsword. Yeah, so big that only a frog can wield it. Does that make any sense? Ah, hell nah. It will. The sentiment will age with fine, like fine wine. You're not going to get this, but your ancestors in 12,000 years are going to love it. That's right. <laughs> oh, sorry, but you you were mentioning it's like, yeah, he, he put dreams in it, whatever that means. What does that mean? <laughs> Why did he do that? That is so very mysterious. What if we had a sword that could think? Yeah, it was the only thing he hadn't done yet. That's like, or he, he became aware of this Lavos thing and he was not on board. 
So he was like, all right, this is going to be the, this is the one for good. This is one for the good of the world instead of just me making designer weapons. We know that Melchior is the guru of life and that kind of has some contrast to war, but it seems strange that in addition to making weapons, he basically made a weapon where he, I don't know if he killed them or just trapped them in the sword, but it doesn't really seem like he's living up to his name. <laughs> he's not repping the life very hard. I definitely remember Masin Mune just like yoding from the scene in Zeal. I'm not remembering like the context of where you meet them, but I just remember them like appearing and disappearing. I think you meet them in Enhasa, maybe, and you talk to them. They tell you a little bit of history, and then, then yeah, they just teleport away. Hmm. What do you think it was like for them being in the sword, especially for like twelve thousand years? Um, that depends. If it was like a pokeball, and they had like a little home in there, maybe it was okay. But if you're just trapped inside a sword, maybe that's less good. Or maybe they themselves were dreaming while they were in the sword. That would fit more with the rest of the lore. Probably, yeah. In the Pokeball sense, it's kind of funny. It's like, ah, sweet, we're back. How's Zeal doing? How's my buddy Melchior doing? Oh, no. <laughs> what about my, my friend Yanis and Shala? How are they I was, doing? Mm-mm. I was going to say, where's Melchior in 600? But he got uh, teleported to to 1000. He also yoded out. Yep. And they had, Massimune had to go the long way around. Through time, you mean? Yes. They're clearly not extra temporal then, because then they'd know what's up. Yeah. I was going to say, they've probably seen a lot of history, but have they? Maybe they were just stuck in a mountain. I wonder what happens if you never came to pick up the sword. Would it just exist in the future? It's like a degraded hunk of metal. That would be so cool. I've now, unfortunately, opened my mind to the possibility of, hey, what if Chrono Trigger, but... The events happen at different times. Chrono Trigger was so so cool because it had it had the effect of traveling through time. It had cause and effect, but only on some things. What if you apply it to everything in the game? I feel like I've, somebody's got a randomizer coming up for that. Oh boy, oh, that wouldn't that wouldn't cover it now. <laughs> okay. So the mass immune could be some sort of a power source, like the pin. I guess we're at least several hundred years past getting it. Or possibly several thousand years. It is unlikely that we would find the Passamunic at the current point in the timeline. Thanks for the words of encouragement. Also, the shadow has detected us. Oh shit! Fire? No. Water! Wind! Heart? What were you expecting to happen? We haven't learned any magic! I don't know! Magic is all about heart and inner strength, so I thought maybe we'd leveled up some of that while we were struggling in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> Robo, can you do anything? Shadow magic, maybe? Affirmative. Internal batteries charging laser spin. Oh, thank God. System error. Laser is... I thought you fixed him! I thought I did! (laughs) That is not normal! No, it's it's like the ooze suddenly became a, a ghost. It just sort of faded away. Robo, you were mentioning dimensional distortions. Could you scan again? Affirmative. Activating electromagnetic sensors. 
What was that? I don't know, and I don't want to find out. We should get out of here now. Shall I continue scanning? Nope. Let's get moving as fast as we can. Zeal Archives is a Nixcast production and can be found on most podcatchers or at the source zealarchives.com. If you have comments, criticisms, or kudos for episodes past, present, or future, we are on Twitter and Facebook as Zeal Archives. To learn more about the hosts, TNG, you can also check out thenextcast.com or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at thenextcast. And now, a special announcement. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference.